listening to First Church Charlotte. Talking tonight about purpose. I want to talk about the purpose of the church. I want to talk about purpose in your life. I want to talk about these things because they matter. And if we are going to understand our role in the kingdom of God and the reason for our placing here on earth at this time in this generation, we desperately need to understand purpose. With no purpose, we serve ourselves. Purpose is what builds maturity and gets your attention off of you and you lift up your eyes to the harvest that surrounds you. And so I've taught everything I... Everything I am teaching tonight, I have said before, probably several times. In fact, it's worse than that. Uh, everything I am saying tonight, I've probably stole from my dad. Uh, but the truth is, if you steal it in Jesus' name, it's already under the blood. And so, <laughs> that's funny. I enjoy that little joke. And so, um, I want to talk about purpose and you've heard me reference this many time in, times in messages. Uh, my wife has pointed out to me a few times recently that one of the mistakes I make, I refer to things as though everybody knows what I'm talking about, and then I keep moving. And she says, look, I grew up in the church. I lived with you for 2,700 years, and I don't know what you're talking about. And so there's a good chance that I'm not the only one. And, of course, I pointed out that most people did not sleep in church like she did. And she said, look, church sleepers deserve understanding too. So this is for... And what's funny is, uh, you know, my wife's smarter than me in a lot of ways. Uh, not always, but in a lot of ways, she's smarter than me. I'm not going to just give up that easily because she's not here tonight. If she was here tonight, I would say she's smarter than me in all ways. But because she's not, there's just a little bit of rebellion in me. And I'm brave because she's not here. Uh, let me give you a real quick overview. Two passages of scripture. And then we're going to get into this together. Both of these passages are very, very familiar to you. And you don't have to turn there. Uh, you would know them immediately. The first is Jesus' answer, what is the greatest commandment? Most of you could quote it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, somebody say all the law, and prophets hang on these two commandments. That's a very, very big statement. Uh, that Jesus makes. And it's not just recorded in the book of Matthew. It's recorded in the other gospels as well. Uh, I, I, maybe, maybe not all four of them, but uh, most of them has this, this statement, this answer of what's the, if I have, a, if I have limited vision, uh, if I have limited breadth of spiritual energy, uh, most, of, most of our individual troubles is not from time management, it's from energy management. And uh, you're exhausted. You had time, but you're exhausted. This is particularly the case in uh, ministry because you'll end up exhausting yourself in things. Uh, it's not that you don't have time, it's you don't have energy. And so uh, I want us to focus on these things. Now, here at First Church, we talk about this a lot and we have summed it up. 
uh, in a manner that a few years ago wasn't that popular, but now every church I see has this slogan. I just want you to know we had it before they did, uh, and that's love God, love people. It's just the short version of this proof, this 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 spiritual uh, directive to to love the Lord your God with all of yourself and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now the second is the Great Commission. This is well known, uh, recorded probably most famously in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. Don't start fighting me tonight, brother devil. We're not having it. I will just, I will just switch back in just a moment. Um, so the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name. Somebody say the name. The name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Ghost. We know what who, what his name is, he tells us. Teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. These are probably the two pillars of what we are supposed to be doing here on earth. And if we look at these, uh, if we look at these, I, I don't want to fight with this. I just want to switch because I don't want distraction. All right. I blame you, Brother John, just so you know. This is on you. I don't know what you did, but it's your fault. Uh, Praise the Lord, everybody. Everyone glad to be in church tonight? So these two pillars of direction. Now, in these two passages, we will find the five purposes of the church. There are five distinct activities that the church must do to be the church. We can't simply uh, pick one and say that's enough. There are these disciplines, these spiritual uh, ways, so to speak, to walk in. And so uh, I will give them to you in what I think is the easiest way to remember them. First, we read the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all of you. Uh, This is worship. And so one of the purposes of the church is worship. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. This is ministry. You cannot try to have by keeping. You can only have by giving or sharing. This is a principle of the kingdom of heaven. Can I have a big amen? Your path to spiritual possession is through generosity, and you are blessed by the remainder of what you have given away. If you want to be rich, give it away. Do you need encouragement? Encourage somebody. Do you need help? Help somebody. Do you need a word? Give a word to somebody. That's how we are spiritually rich. So first is worship. Second is ministry. Now we switch to the second great pillar of direction from the Lord. Uh, This is the Great Commission. Go make disciples. This is evangelism. This is very much a part of the ministry of the church. And it is perhaps more than anything uh, else, I would say, uh, it is the reason why the church is still here on earth. A day will come when we are caught up into the presence of the Lord and our faith tells us and our trust in the word and our trust in the promises of God lets us to know a day will come when we will be with the Lord. Aren't you looking forward to that day? The day's coming. On that day, we'll still be able to worship. Uh, 
We'll still be able to celebrate God. We'll still be able to behold his beauty, but the opportunity to make a difference in our generation will have passed through our hands. So evangelism has to matter. Uh, The fourth, baptizing them. Now, what is unique about this? There is the element of baptism of what others, or, or let me say that differently. There's an element of baptism of what God is doing. This is atonement. This is the, the regeneration uh, that happens, or uh, I should say we probably think more of the infilling of the Holy Ghost and regeneration, but this is remission. That's the R word I was looking for there. This this covering of our past, this, this washing of us, of our sinful um, history and record. This happens at baptism, but that's what God does. We cannot see that. Something else happens at baptism that we do not have to accept as the work of God or through eyes of faith. Something else happens at baptism, and that is people are adopted into the family. Somebody say family. Family of God. Baptism is about identity. You've taken on his name. No longer are you your set of histories and identity. You are now identified as a follower of Jesus. That's why baptism is public. That's why we celebrate it publicly because on on God's end, yes, it is uh, remission of sins. That is his work through faith. Uh, Our end is adoption into the family of God. When you are baptized, you are one of us. And we receive you as though you are our brother, as though you are our sister. And so baptism is truly can be expressed in this context of the purposes of the church as fellowship. This is how I know you're not just a neighbor, you're a brother. Do you see the difference between that? You're not just a neighbor, you are a spiritual sister. You are of the household of faith. Why? Identity. You have the name of Jesus upon you. And so, finally, teaching them to do. This is discipleship. And so, the five purposes of the church fulfilled are worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship. The easiest way to remember, as I've pointed out, is the great commandment coupled with the great commission gives you these five spiritual understandings of the action of the church. Now, really quickly, I want to point out something that is, is to me, is beautiful, and that is how in the scripture uh, five, this number of five, often directs our attention towards God's grace and goodness and favor toward uh, humanity. Uh, Five, in many ways, becomes representative of God's favor to us, God's generosity to us, God's giving to us. And, uh, for example, the uh, five-fold ministry. Uh, this is shown to us in uh, uh, in the scripture, and we're, we're taught to understand how these five ministries are given by God in the church. In the same manner, the church has five purposes, but there's more images than, than simply that. Let me uh, really quickly uh, point out that the Ten Commandments is two sets of five commandments. The first five are how we uh, serve the Lord. Uh, The second five concern how we uh, have relationship one with another. Two sets of five. It's actually uh, more than that. There are five burnt 
there are five offerings that you could give uh, in the house of Israel, the burnt offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the, the grain offering, the peace offering. offering. And it, it continues, uh, Psalms, uh, a book of worship has five different divisions or sections to it that all represent worship to the Lord. There are five books of God's law given to the house of Israel. Uh, that's the Old Testament Pentateuch. And there are five books that are sometimes called the New Testament Pentateuch, the four Gospels and the Book of Acts. This is all uh, showing these, these things uh, to, to, you, to see how the associations of Scripture, it's not so much that we try to do doctrine from them as we perceive the depth of God's effortless beauty. Everything he touches becomes beautiful, spiritually symmetrical. It goes on from that. Uh, in the tabernacle, there were five curtains. There were five bars. There were five pillars. There were five sockets. Uh, there was an altar made of wood that was five cubits long and five cubits wide. And the height of the court within the tabernacle was five cubits high. Oh, I'm not, I'm not done. There, there's actually more. When you make the holy anointing oil of the scripture, it has five ingredients that make up the holy anointing oil. Five parts to the holy anointing oil. The oil itself, myrrh, cinnamon, uh, calamus, and cassia. Uh, there could go on and um, even even uh, more. Uh, the image, and I, let me just stop because there's more. Uh, the point I, I want you to see is that this five purposes, uh, it, it signifies something in its beauty, in its sublime, subtle beauty, and that is this. The church becomes God's gift to the world. And there's five purposes in the church. Do you see? And so I deeply believe, and I, I want to I say this, and you've heard me say it before, but I deeply believe the church is the hope. The local church is the hope God has given to the world. I want you to believe that. I want you to feel that. I want you to see that. In the same manner that Christ in his human body uh, had no form nor comeliness, so you would be attracted to him in an aesthetic way. The church often has no form or comeliness. And if you're vain at all, you'll come to church and sneer at people who don't seem to fit your world. And so it was that some turned away from Christ because he was not beautiful to look on in his flesh. So it is the church can be found, uh, you know, people can look at the church and uh, it doesn't look very impressive. I am aware that the church does not always look super impressive, but I want to say without apology, I believe the local church is God's hope for the world. I believe people transformed, unified in spiritual purpose is God's hope for the world. This is why you'll never see an angel preach the gospel. They'll only give announcements of what God will do. It is upon the church to manifest the glory of God here, here in the earth. So very quickly, I want to point out to you a few things, and uh, I have to be cognizant of my time because they always get up there and I start preaching. I've been going five minutes and they change the clock to make me think it's uh, 840 and it's I've only been going five minutes and so uh, I want you to 
be aware of the fact that um, I know I've said a, I know I've said something pretty big when I, I said that I believe the the church is uh, God's hope for for this world. Um, one of the astonishing things of this era, of this time, this generation, is uh, how blessed we are. We've never had as much optionality in some ways. We've never had as much entertainment. We've never had as much um, technology. Uh, and yet people are struggling more than ever to to find meaning in their life. And without meaning, there is no point. Without meaning is what a philosopher would call nihilism. What, what's the point? Just nothing matters. Why not? Why not? Why not do this? Because nothing matters. And I, uh, I, I want to point out that people need, <clears throat> people need a purpose to live for. Uh, they need hope uh, to live on. They need people to live with. They need principles to live by. And they need a profession to live out. And I, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this, but I want to show you how the church provides the counterpart of opportunity for the needs that are within the human the human heart what is the emotional need of a person um, who is looking for purpose they need to find significance in life uh, right now in America about 45,000 people a year are committing suicide in America another 70 uh, I don't have these numbers in my notes so if I'm off a little bit forgive me I think 74 thousand people a year are dying from opioid addiction. That's astonishing. Never before in American history. And that's not just a population, of, uh, a function of population where if you have more people, you have more amount. No, I'm, I'm, I mean, statistically, uh, in, in just in percentages, it's never, we've never had this. It's so bad that for the first time in the modern era, life expectancy in America is going down in certain um, groups. Because so many people are just ending their lives and are overdosing on on uh, opioids, particularly, uh, this is astonishing, and it is not it is not the kind of thing that I want to just be flip about. I don't want to just act like, well, if people had just come to church, I, I understand some of these problems are are are, are founded in generational um, issues. I, I don't want to just be simplistic, but I want to say this: there is a spiritual opportunity for everyone to become part of a community of faith. It may not be exactly in the manner that, say, I would choose or you would choose, but there is an opportunity for everyone. I deeply believe uh, that God has created us to fulfill these 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 purposes and to live out these spiritual principles. And the person who needs a purpose to live for needs to discover um, a significance. And in a Christian context, your purpose becomes others, not self. This is one of the most beautiful things about Christianity, that even when, even, uh, sure, lots of people get lots of things wrong, but at the end of the day, if you're self-serve, you have missed the mission, the point, the illustration, the metaphor of the cross. It's always, it's always my life for others. So uh, when you talk to people and they, they refuse, they refuse Christ as a religious formula. Challenge them at the level of purpose, not theology. 
this is a way I like to do this, and I do this not too infrequently. Someone says, well, they're not, they're not a Christian. They don't believe in Jesus. I, I say something like this. Well, you have to admit that there's something beautiful about God finding a broken world, not giving up on it, and then paying the price himself to make it whole. There's something beautiful about that. What does God do with broken things? He gives his life to fix them. There is a beauty in Christianity that's not just about having a theological debate. And uh, you guys have heard me say this a lot, but I, I want you to see when people can see a life that is not simply self-serve, but they begin to live for others, they can find, what's the emotional benefit of that? That is a significance. The way the church finds personal significance is through living for others. We have mission. We live for others. What's the next thing people need? People need a hope, a hope to live on. They deeply feel their own inadequacy, even when they're pretending, even when they're, you know, talking about how bad they are or how good they are, or how rich they are, uh, etc. There is a, 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 a crust of fragility over it all. They're very fragile. Uh, and they need a hope uh, in something. This, this is something that the church uh, solves. We, we find hope through directing our attention toward God in worship. This is how hope is built in our life. What comes out of that hope? Power to make change in our life. This is why, this is why all 12-step programs, the, the, the most successful life change institution in the history of humankind, um, is built upon rule number one, there's a higher power. You have to have hope. Out of hope comes power where you can, you can try, you can get started, you can turn away from the old you. And so how does the church, how do we, how do we solve the issue of hope? A broken soul, they learn to worship. You see, if you have to be your own hope, that explains uh, addiction. That explains in some dark corners. That explains even suicide, I would say. You're not enough for yourself. You are a, simply a vessel. You're an organized, empty space that something has to feel. Uh, worship allows you to focus on God. So uh, the next thing is um, people, uh, they, they need others to live with. How does the church, how does the local church answer this? Uh, they do this through fellowship, one of the purposes of the church. Uh, people need principles to live by. They need to feel like their life has a meaning to it. It's, it's not just, uh, they need principles to live by. How does the church answer this? By giving people a road of discipleship. And finally, people need a profession to live out. They need self-expression. They're not just a cookie cutter. How does the church give a place for people to explore self-expression, to live out profession in a spiritual sense? This is, uh, this is ministry. And so these needs, a purpose to live for, others, hope or power to live by, worship, uh, people to live with, fellowship, principles to live by, discipleship, and a profession to live out self-identity, the uniqueness of you, this is ministry. Because 
These answer the five great questions of life, which is this. What is going to be the center of my life? What am I going to live for? This is a question that should be answered by worship. I am a worshiper. I thought at least the church people would agree with me on that one. What's the second great life question? What will be the community of my life? I've got a, I'm planted somewhere. What is the community of my life? This is a question of fellowship. So what is the center of my life? This is a question for worship. What is the community of my life? This is a question of fellowship. What is the character of my life? The people who know me best, how are they going to remember me? This is a question of discipleship. What is the contribution? What what difference will I make with my life? This is a question of ministry. What is the message of my life or the communication of my life? This is my mission. This is what I'm here for. God has gifted me. And so let me say all of this a little bit differently uh, to help us all remember it and think about it. Uh, You are given five, five directives of Scripture. Believe, belong, become, bless, and be sent out. Believe, belong, become, bless others, and be sent forth into a generation. And that is truly how the issue of the church, uh, all of the issues of human nature are given opportunity, or let me say it this way, every need of the human heart is given an arena in which to grow, to become, to express, and to develop within the structure of the local church. This is this is um, this is shown to us in in Scripture. Um, if you were to read John seventeen uh, verses one through twenty six. Um, you would find these words saying Jesus is speaking about his ministry and he's going to give you five purposes in his ministry. And this is all in John chapter number 17. I know I'm just hammering upon hammering upon hammering upon hammering, but that's just how my dad taught me to do it. So um, blame him. Uh, Verse number four, John 17, verse number four, the Lord is speaking. Jesus is speaking to the Lord, and he says, he's speaking to his Father, and he says, I have brought you glory on earth. I have brought you glory on earth. What is that? That's worship. That's one of the functions of the church. We, God has already gloried in the heavenlies, but it's not an act of love there. It's an act of evidence. Why? Angels don't need faith. Honey, that was good. (laughs) Angels don't need faith. They see God as he is. That's also why there's no mercy for angels. When they rebel, they're cast out. You acted like a fool seven times last year, and you never got cast out. Why? You are seeing through faith, and so your actions toward God are an act of love. That's why you should be patient with people who you don't think are at your level. Whatever they're doing is love. Does that make sense? That's so important. Like I, I, you know, I, I'm always disappointed, with Brother Anthony. He just doesn't. He just doesn't say "Amen" very loud. Uh, he's not very passionate. He doesn't emote. He, he needs to run the aisles more and break things. I'm just always finding fault with him. But let me tell you, there's a problem. This is how the letter kills. Whatever he is doing is an act of love. None of it can be an act of duty. Why? Because everything he's doing is through the prism of faith. 
He's striving. He has his own history. He has his own crazy parents. I know most of your parents weren't as crazy as mine, but you all have crazy parents. You all have backslidden siblings. Again, I have the worse than you, but you understand what I'm saying. Whatever you're doing, whatever pace you're coming at, it's an act of love. Why? It's through faith. You haven't seen God as he is. You've chose to strive to behold his beauty. I want you to see that. So if someone never does what you think they ought to do, parents, this is very important for us with our children. If our parent, if our children never get to where we are, we have to be careful not to create a culture of spiritual failure that hangs over them. Because whatever they're doing is through faith and is thusly an act of love. I have brought you glory here on earth, Jesus says to his father. That's worship. I have, verse number six, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. That is evangelism. Verse number eight, I gave them the words you gave me. That's discipleship. Verse 12, when I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. That is fellowship. Verse number 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That's ministry. Five purposes manifest. This principle is so established. It's not simply something that is for the church. It's manifest in the ministry of Jesus Christ. So if we were to go to Acts chapter number two, we would see the same five purposes manifest in what was happening in the New Testament revival shown in Acts chapter number two. We'll start at verse number 41. Um, Those who accepted his message were baptized. Fellowship. They took on the identity of the believer. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching. That's discipleship. Uh, And to fellowship. Well, that's fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Uh, When they were all together, they gave to anyone as they had need. That is ministry. Every day they continued to meet. That is fellowship. They broke bread in their houses daily together with glad, sincere hearts, doing what? Praising God. That is worship. And the Lord added to their number daily as those who are being saved. That is evangelism. I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but I don't know if the horse is dead, so I'm going to keep beating. Um, Ephesians chapter number four, and we'll read at, uh, we'll re- I'm not reading these, I'm referring to these because everybody needs homework. So uh, Ephesians four and verse number 11, God gave some to be apostles, to be prophets, to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of ministry that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith, fellowship, knowledge of God, discipleship, become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, worship, as each part does its work, ministry. So, you guys with me? Yeah. Uh, I need to quit soon um, because they, they suckers changed the clock again, and it just took all my time. That's all right. It's all right. I'm going to get them. So uh, we celebrate God's presence 
uh, through worship. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Uh, We communicate God's word that is evangelism. You will be my witnesses, Acts 1 and 8. We incorporate God's family by receiving people as brothers and sisters, not when they have finally arrived at our level of prayer, Uh, But when they take on our common identity, the name of Jesus, um, and you see this, you are a member, Ephesians 2, you are a member of God's very own family. Somebody say family. You are a member of God's very own family, and you belong. Somebody say belong. You belong in God's household with every other Christian, Ephesians 2.19. It's a living Bible translation. Uh, We educate and teach um, people who are growing in their faith. This is discipleship. This is Ephesians 4. Again, living Bible, building up the church, the body of Christ, to be in a position of strength and maturity until all become full-grown in in the Lord. I'm kind of dancing down through there. You know how I do. Uh, We demonstrate God's love. This is ministry. Again, Ephesians 4. We prepare God's people for the work of the ministry. Now, this This is a truth about these things, and I'm just going to skip some pages here because I've got too much. I'll I'll, um, revisit this as I have in the past. Um, This is something that I think all of us have to understand. You are um, doing, uh, you're probably right now doing all the five purposes, but right now the five purposes are probably not in balance. Um, I deeply believe that God grows the church. Um, I don't know how to grow the church. I've, I've done multiple businesses in my life. Um, I have some business experience. Um, I have pastored the church, and it is my true confession that trying to grow a church is the single hardest thing I've ever tried to do in my life. Because the truth is, I can't do it. It's an impossible act of the flesh. It is God who adds to adds to the church. And a large church is not more valuable than a small church. We have to get out of that game. What we're aiming for is not big or small. What we're aiming for is healthy. So what is healthy church? When the five purposes of the church are in balance, the church is healthy. Healthy things grow. And healthy things bring forth much fruit. This image is shown to us multiple times in the Scripture. Uh, As a church, we then, or let me just speak for myself, uh, since it's Wednesday night and I I get to talk about these things. Um, As a a pastor, uh, my prayer, and more more than ever in my life, is, Lord, help me to see uh, the five the five ministries of our church, or the excuse me, the five purposes of our church, and help me to. Help me to, to, to see the balance. And so there might be certain things we do better than others. Uh, like, for example, let's, let's say um, that worship is really what we do when we come on Sundays. We might be a, a great worshiping church. We have a great worship team. We have great singers and musicians. We're, we're rich in worship uh, uh, energy, and, um, and, and I feel like, I feel like our, our, uh, we're good there. Um, but we, we may not have a habit of evangelism in our community. We may just kind of hide as we get out of here. And church is awesome, and we're bold there because we're rich in worship, but we don't have any discipline uh, 
um, or shall I even be more bold and say we have no willingness to risk in the arena of evangelism. But the church, the church will struggle to be healthy if it's all worship and it has no function of evangelism. On the other hand, you might have a church that's very strong in discipleship. This is an area that I am praying and, and thinking a lot about how, as a church, we, we develop strong, clear paths of discipleship for people um, to, to, to really give them a foundation, a foundation of seeing through the lie that is modern life. That you're, that you're as valuable as your accomplishments, that's a lie. Uh, that you're as valuable as your possessions, that's a lie. That's all a very American lies. We've got to see through that. Um, all of these things are important, but if we have uh, great worship, but we have poor ministry, in other words, we're always here together, but the community doesn't know we exist. We are an unhealthy church. Um, if we have, um, say, uh, discipleship, but we're not really, uh, we don't really have good fellowship. A fellowship is the accepting of people. People who you don't approve of. That's what fellowship is. It's all the fellows in a ship. We don't, we don't, we don't all get along, but honey, we're all in the ship. You see, and so, <laughs> little oversimplification there, but you know, hey, it was fun. Uh, so these five purposes, evangelism, worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, uh, and uh, 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 being, uh, or being sent out. So uh, these five, these five purposes of the church, um, they, they, each of them affects. Now I, I, you guys know, I wrote a book and I talked about seven levels of discipleship. Uh, the cra- I've got to quit. I've got to quit. Let me try for two minutes. Okay. Um, musician come up here and play, uh, something about, um, it's getting late. It's getting dark. It's the end time upon us. Pastor, take a hint. If you'd like to write a song about pastor, take a hint that it's like Jesus, take the wheel has to take a hint. <laughs> Helen is asleep. So um, what was I talking about before I got distracted? So the, the seven levels of discipleship, uh, the first four of them, the crowd, um, this is people are, they're only interested. The next level is um, the, the believers, but they haven't been transformed. 500 to saw Jesus alive. They believe he's not just a prophet or a teacher. He's the son of God. They believe, but they're not really committed or transformed. 380 of them don't show up on the day of Pentecost. Sounds like ministry to me. And um, so, you know, that's the 500. Those are believers. Uh, then there's the 120. That's the transformed. Then there's the 70, those that are sent. And there's the 12. These are all are going to die for what they believe. They don't just give, they give all. And, and at this level of the 12, you start getting into um, the, the prophetic arena of God's working through um, anointed uh, men and women of faith. But um, the, the real understanding for us is to understand that first level of the crowd. This is where, this is where, uh, this is where uh, evangelism works. Um, in, in the crowd. Uh, but it's more than that because they're interested. The, the crowd is not the people who stayed home. The crowd is the people who showed up on Sunday. Um, they're interested. They can join in praise and worship. They definitely can join in praise. They probably can enjoy, join, join in worship, although that much more is a, is a God thing of looking at our hearts. So I'll leave that with him. Uh, but but our gatherings together is an invitation to all of these people to, to, to be evangelized, to join us in worship. Uh, the next level, of course, is uh, the 120. This is this is where transformation begins, and this uh, this is really where discipleship begins in the church. And so, um, with the uh, the crowd, they're interested, 
and the believers, they believe, but they're kind of a little bit flaky, if you'll forgive me for using that word. Uh, they, be- they believe the, the, the crowd, they're interested in the, the, the believers, but they're not really transformed. This is where evangelism happens. This is where fellowship is introduced. And this is where um, worship is um, a type of appeal. They, they're drawn to it. And if you, many of you guys who are first-generation believers, you, you may have your own stories of how worship drew you. And so all of that happens at that level. Now, once you get to the 120 transformed, now you begin to get to discipleship. Uh, once you get to the 70, now you get into ministry and the commissioned. Uh, so we, as a church, in order to be healthy so God can bless our mission, we, we have to have all of these all of these five things. Um, however you want to define them, whether you want to talk about evangelism, exaltation, encouragement, edification, and equipping, that's another way you can say it. <laughs> another way you can you can talk about it is um, you know the way that I, I believe, belong, become, bless, and be sent. Uh, but the truth is, it's worship. It is fellowship. It is discipleship. It is my ministry, my service to others, and it is my message, my my commu- the communication of my life. All of these things are key to having uh, a healthy church, and I very much want, as a pastor, to see the development of worship. I think we're really strong there. Evangelism. I think we need to apply some of our spiritual energy toward evangelism individually. Individually, fellowship. We're doing better there, but I'm looking forward to a day when there's more people in uh, small groups of fellowship in our church than there is on weekend services. I'm praying for it. Why? Because people want to be wanted. They want to be accepted. They don't want to be watched. And so uh, fellowship is a great way of to show that we're secure, but our hearts are open. Uh, discipleship, this is something that we have, we, we, we do through small groups. We do through Wednesday night Bible study. We also do through first steps. And there will be more to come as you guys hear about some of the other things we have coming. Um, and finally, ministry. Are you living for self or others? Um, if you're primarily focused on whether or not you're saved, you're probably uh, living for yourself, praying for yourself, fearing for yourself. But once you believe that Jesus is enough, you understand that the energy of Christianity turns from trying to be good enough to earn it, it's impossible, to being able to give it away. Does that make sense? And so this is where ministry begins to live. I don't want to just have enough for me. I want to overflow. I want ministry in my life. And so um, I would like each of you uh, to think about this, and I'd like you to pick an area of effort. Um, the, 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 the biggest ones that I probably would challenge you on is um, I, feel like, I feel like that our church uh, is probably the biggest area of, of immediate concern for me would be developing a culture of personal evangelism. And so I am going to ask you, all who will, um, to make a commitment here tonight. If you will, you don't have to. But um, I'm going to do something between now and Sunday to try to show somebody that I am a Jesus follower. And so uh, the way I would recommend that uh, is um, ask if you have a co-worker 
that is going through a knee, something in their life, some kind of trouble, ask them how they're doing and tell them you've been praying for them. Now, you pray for them before you tell a lie, okay? You tell them. But how many of you make a commitment that between now and Sunday, you will try to do something to show Jesus to somebody? Just somebody in your life, they're going through something. It's very easy to stop by their desk. It's very easy to call them. Say, I was just thinking about you. And I want to know how you're going. I know you've been going through some tough, tough things. You told me a few weeks back. I'm thinking about you. I've been praying for you. If they respond very warmly, why don't you think about taking a chance and say, um, maybe, maybe, maybe I, let me pray for you right now. You pray with me. It may not feel right. I want you to do, don't do me. You do you. But I want you to test yourself a little bit. We, uh, we, we, <laughs> it takes a healthy church. You have to have all five purposes working in, in synchronicity. There's a $5 word. Working in a, as a finely oiled machine, and that is spiritual health. Let's all stand all across the house. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the understanding of your word. I thank you for a, a healthy church, Lord. I, I thank you for healthy people. Lord Jesus, help us be mature Christians. We don't want to just be specialists in one thing and judge everybody else because they're not as good at that one thing as we are. Lord Jesus, we want to, we want to have a sense of, of, of the ministry, a sense of the fellowship, a sense of the discipleship, a sense of the evangelism, a sense of the worship. And we want to have all of these things in a well-ordered manner, just as it's shown to us again and again in the Scripture, whether it's in the tabernacle, the temple, whether it's in the anointing oil, these elements working together in proper uh, function and proportion. Uh, anoint us for your work. In Jesus' name I pray. And let the church say amen. Put your hands together. Give good Lord a thanks for his, his word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your people. Walk with us. Lead us in your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.